Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. At the moment on our on our Zoom webinar, we don't have lots of folks. Um, I hope that some of you will think about calling in over the next little while. Um, you know, um, one of the one of the first signs of insanity is talking to oneself, and that's what it looks like I'll be doing for the next little while. Uh, of course, I have also heard people say that talking to yourself is a good thing because you meet a better class of people that way. So, either of those will work. <clears throat> we'll see where we are. What I thought we would talk about during the first hour is some of the controversy that's been operating over the last few weeks on ACB Conversation uh, concerning um, voting and affiliates, and particularly special interest affiliates. Um, I, I think, you know, we've discussed, we've discussed this stuff before, but the the discussion on ACB conversation went further uh, than we had gone in the past and also went kind of in the direction that I had hoped that uh, some of our discussion on Tuesday topics would go because what it did was, was to raise the, the major question of, of whether once we create a situation where every single member of ACB is entitled to vote uh, in elections, whether they're at the convention or not, do we need the affiliate vote at all? Or is the affiliate vote just something that's going to slow us down and that doesn't give us very much information? There is, there is some interesting statistical information, some of which I talked about the last time on Tuesday topics, uh, and that suggests that the difference between affiliate votes and roll call votes is virtually non-existent. I think there have been either two or three instances where the results were different. Otherwise, they have always been the same. So we can't apparently say that having the affiliate vote or having the roll call vote of affiliates um, really makes that huge a difference. So um, it's, it, it's going to be interesting. Clearly, we'll be, we'll be taking some amazing steps this year by essentially having each member of ACB uh, having a PIN number, which they can use all through the convention to decide whether or how they want to vote uh, in, in, in all of their situations. So um, it's, it's going to be an interesting question. How do we measure whether it's appropriate uh, to have affiliate votes or not. What do affiliate votes do for us? Well, uh, 
it seems to me that uh, they they certainly speak to the history of ACB when when ACB was separated from the National Federation of the Blind in 1961. Uh, the affiliate vote approach that was taken by ACB uh, became very different from the affiliate vote uh, used by the NFB. In the NFB, each affiliate has a vote, but just one vote. It doesn't matter how big they are. It doesn't matter how small they are. Um, they essentially have one vote. And the majority of the affiliates of the organization in, in NFB um, make, make decisions in votes that happen at the convention. The... There, there is no uh, pure standing vote in, in NFB, I don't think. But of course, if somebody from the Federation is there and, and can tell me that, in fact, I'm wrong, um, I will be glad to hear that. But I think it's that they just have an affiliate vote at the moment and do not have, um, do not have what we would call the, the, the standing, standing secret ballot vote um, that, that we operate with in ACB. The, the, second, the second component that we should at least consider in looking at affiliate votes is that there are two kinds of affiliates. There are state affiliates and there are special interest affiliates. And at the moment, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Voting for the two affiliates is entirely different or is entirely the same, excuse me. Um, but there are those in the history of ACB who have felt like it ought to be different. So just, just to go over what happens, uh, ACB's affiliate votes work this way. First, there is an upper limit to the number of votes uh, that a state or special interest affiliate can have, and that upper limit is 25 votes. And those 25 votes are determined by figuring out how many members that organization has. If you have 625 members, you're entitled to 25 votes. So one vote for each 25 members plus uh, any additions. If you have 1,500 vote members, you only have 25 votes. So there is an upper limit for large size of affiliates. Now we, in the past, have actually had both state and special interest affiliates who had 25 votes. Um, not as many special interest affiliates. I know that BRL at one point had 25 votes, the Braille Revival League. And I know that um, CCLVI did uh, at, at one point. Um, I'm not sure that I can think of uh, another special interest affiliate that had 25 votes. I think library users came close, but I don't think we ever got to uh, 
25 votes. Um, so that's, that's the largest vote. And of course, you can get down to one vote if you have uh, 25 votes, 25 members or, or less. And there are a lot of our special interest affiliates now who have between one and four votes. Most state affiliates and most special interest affiliates are actually either just barely holding their own in terms of members or uh, are losing membership. Um, I think that's actually true of virtually every uh, organization out there um, for the most part um, <coughs> oh dear you we still hear you but we lost some of you were you using Bluetooth or something Um, I hope you guys can hear me again. Yeah, we hear you. <laughs> for the for the most part, um, every nonprofit organization in the world, virtually, is losing members, and there there don't there don't seem to be uh, nearly as many people who are interested in providing support for nonprofit organizations any longer. If folks are members of an ACB state or special interest affiliate, many tend to be comfortable with just being a, a member of one or two organizations. There aren't a lot of people who, like me, are probably members of four or five or six or who knows how many. I, I know that within the Florida Council of the Blind, I'm uh, the member of what three or four chapters and within acb uh, i'm the member of a couple of state affiliates and four or five special interest affiliates so pay lots of dues every year um, but but feel comfortable being a member of all of those organizations and feel feel like i gain a good deal from being a part of these organizations so in terms of special interest affiliates then, um, and in terms of regular affiliates, there is certainly an argument that can be made uh, for the fact that they aren't nearly as important or as valuable as they used to be. Now, what arguments can we make to suggest that they are important and that they are valuable? I think, I think that one argument is that state affiliates um, have work to do at the state level um, and also have um, the ability uh, to, to do membership drives locally, um, which can increase the number of people who are, who are members of ACB. Um, by recruiting more folks to their state affiliates. 
I believe that the same thing applies to special interest affiliates. Um, those special interest affiliates that are growing now, I think are growing uh, because of the work that they do between conventions rather than uh, simply because uh, of uh, some magic that, that's out there. You know, we are, we are operating um, in a manner that creates more involvement um, with our members by holding oh, two or three different kinds of meetings uh, between conventions, uh, which encourages people to join. We're also, and I think other state and special interest affiliates should do this as well, we're also creating membership options that are only available to members. So, for example, to take, to take one instance, library users does a thing called Library Without Walls. And we do a listing uh, after each of those meetings of all the books that are discussed. And that listing only goes to folks who are members of Library Users of America. It doesn't go to, um, to folks who are simply on our lists or who are on our, our kind of more, more open chat list, library-talk. So it's certainly possible for both state and special interest affiliates to create um, membership benefits. Um, a lot of us thought that ACB would be doing more of that. I think that one other issue that we probably need to put on the table in having a clear picture of the direction that ACB is going is the pandemic. The pandemic has, at least to a degree, created a situation where many people uh, who are interested in, in having access to ACB um, have gained that access uh, by becoming at-large members of ACB. That means they haven't joined a special interest affiliate and they haven't joined a state affiliate. They've just joined ACB at the national level. I don't have figures or statistics um, that tell us anything about uh, how many folks have actually joined uh, these organizations or have actually joined at the national level as compared to the number of people who have joined with special interest affiliates. I know that the membership staff of ACB do reach out to state and special interest affiliate leaders and encourage them um, to recruit new members. Uh, but I think that a lot of the folks who have joined ACB over the last year have only joined at the national level. Um, I, but as I say, I don't know how many that is. If it's a lot, then I think we need to be aware, at least, that what that's going to mean 
is that the importance of state affiliates and special interest affiliates is lessened and the importance of at-large memberships and the national organization is increased. So um, it will be interesting to see whether or not we know more about um, how the, the membership over the past year uh, has operated. So let me ask you guys whether, um, whether we have some folks who are listening in on Zoom so that we can see if folks have any comments they'd like to make. Yeah, Paul, we've got some people here, <clears throat> but nobody's got their hands up. If you want to uh, join in the conversation with Paul, you can raise your hand by doing Alt-Y. Uh, on the PC, star nine on the telephone. And um, if you're on an iPhone or Android app, there's a raise hand button uh, in the middle of the screen. So you can go ahead and tap on, tap on it. So <clears throat> as soon as uh, someone excellent raise, raises uh, Paul, I'll let you know. Excellent. And I hope some of you, I hope some of you will. I think I think it's an interesting project or, or it's an interesting question. You know, have we outgrown the need for affiliates? Are, are we okay with just having a national organization? Do the state and special interest affiliates contribute enough to make it worth holding separate elections? Can, can, we, can we create a situation where state and special interest affiliates are still supported without holding elections during national conventions. Historically, I guess the other thing that, that we should point out, particularly where special interest affiliates are concerned, is generally when we've uh, held special interest affiliate elections at, at our conventions, th there are very few special interest affiliate people who are sitting together and who can therefore share information about how they'd like to vote. So it usually becomes the province of the delegate or the alternate to make the decision about that, how that special interest affiliate is going to vote. There has certainly been times in the past where there has been a belief held by members of ACB, rank and file members of ACB, that special interest affiliates in particular, those state affiliates were sometimes accused of this as well, were having the decisions made about their voting made by a very small number of people and that there was no effort to try to determine how people there wanted folks to vote. Um, this year, I, I really don't see any easy or simple or effective ways that special interest affiliates in particular, given the short time that they'll have to gather information, are going to be able to get very much. And I suspect that um, what we're going to what we're going to end up doing or, or, or what I think we're going to end up doing or some of us anyway, is we will take a look at 
at how the roll call vote went, that is how the individual vote went, and use the percentages, perhaps changing them a little bit, given the attitudes of, of the members of that special interest affiliate. Um, but for the most part, um, utilize what we know about the, um, the, the various votes um, that have happened with, with the general membership to determine how our affiliate vote will handle, be handled because there's only going to be half or three quarters of an hour between the time when we end the roll call vote and the time that we actually start uh, the affiliate vote. So we shall Paul, see. Paul, yep. we, have, we have a gentleman from Alabama. Yes, sir. Gentleman from Alabama. Well, I've been called a lot of things. That's not usually one of them. Uh, uh -huh. Good evening, Paul. Great time. Hey. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, this is David Trott. Um, I'm, I'm really a fan of the affiliate vote. However, due to the nature of the way we're changing now, I think it's probably going to be obsolete. Um, I think the... Affiliate vote early on in ACB was used to give states representation when they could not have a large number of people to the convention. And, you know, they won. That was my fault. David. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm yeah, back. Yeah, You're back. Sorry, yep. David. Okay. Uh, no problem. Uh, I think that, you know, that time has passed. It's, it's fun to hear. It's fun to hear the voices and, you know, the little side comments they make when they vote. And that's all good and, and all. But we're going now to probably be in a hybrid convention next year. That's my hope. And I really think that it's, it's extremely time consuming. And now that every person has the right to vote, well, they've always had the right to vote, but they've needed to be there. Now that they don't have to be in convention to vote, I, I really don't see a need for it. I'm going to miss it, but I, I think it's time has come, Paul. I, I really do. Yeah. So next year, um, I, I think you and I would probably agree that we'll vote the same way as we did this year. Um, yeah, we, we'll have to until we can change the Constitution, and that wouldn't be yeah. until next year. Right. So I would say 2023 would be the first possibility of doing away with the affiliate vote. Mm -hmm. So... Do you, do you see any danger that by going to a one-man, one-vote, single system, that the power of both state and special interest affiliates will be diminished to the point where uh, essentially the board of directors and the staff leadership at the national level will, will have ultimate control? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think they'll have any more control than they do now. Uh, you know, the board, the board and the staff run the day-to-day -day business of ACB, and you, you vote at convention, and you vote with your – you use your vote to do. But now, also now, we have more and more people involved in the running of ACB. Our, our task force and our committees and our community calls, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're getting more and more out uh, input from a great diverse membership. And uh, 
people are listening. Uh, I mean, we're talking about this tonight, so we know people are listening. Uh, uh-huh. it, it was a good topic on a- ACB conversation. I think uh, the topic was was well handled. I think people put their their thoughts out there, and and uh, I think people are are looking and, and listening. I I used to not read those things when it was ACBL. Uh, it really wasn't topic based enough to suit me. This, they're they're handling this pretty well, I think. On conversation, people are are talking back and forth on a topic, and and discussions are coming up. Do we agree with all of them? Absolutely not. And that's what makes it great. You know, people are getting heard that haven't had the opportunity to be heard in the past. So, if we take affiliate votes away, how does ACB support affiliates? I don't see that that the support would be any different than it is now. And affiliates, in order to survive, are going to have to do what ACB did. Uh, You know, uh, we were talking about the uh, rising number of members at large. Uh, That has caused a lot because some affiliates, and especially on the local level, uh, didn't meet. You're going to have to have a way to engage your membership. Uh, ACB realized that during the pandemic, the community events were born and look, look what it's done for ACB nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your state and your special interest affiliates, uh, BRL does a lot of it. CCLBI, Lua, uh, have, have monthly calls. You know, I think that we can take this in the other direction, Paul, and use the example that ACB set for the local and state affiliates to learn from. And they could grow. One of the interesting developments that is happening in several state affiliates, and I'd be interested, David, both in your opinion, but also in other people's opinion, is a lot of state affiliates are now setting up at large chapters within their state. In effect, emulating what ACB is doing at the national level by creating at large membership by creating at large chapters within uh, state affiliates. What do you think of that, David? Alabama did that about a year and a half ago. Actually, we were beginning to do that before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's worked quite well for us. And, and when I finish this, Paul, if you want me to, I'll get on out of the way. I'm not a guest here. You know, I'm just asking a question, so I don't want or answering a question. I didn't want to hold up the whole thing here. But uh, I think it's a great way to do it. And like I said, uh, State affiliates and local affiliates are going to have to become inventive and entertaining uh, and Mm. find reasons, you know, to bring in members because now you can join the national and actually benefit uh, as an individual member, which hasn't always been the case. You know that and I've done that. If you wasn't a special interest member, uh, affiliate member, uh, there wasn't a lot for you out there except for convention information and the things that we do at leadership. So I think it's a great opportunity for all of us to grow. And I think, uh, you know, as much as some of us are going to miss it, I think that uh, part of that growth will be in doing away with affiliate votes. And I I honestly don't see it affecting the states at all. Now, what I do see it affecting, and this is kind of an interesting thing and may be a little bit controversial. So I'm not going to go away. I'm just going to step back and let other people Uh ask questions. But now, who would be most hurt by this, in my opinion, is a special interest affiliate because right. uh, they actually have members that are dual members. So, uh, you know, 
even though they vote that one time, the special interest affiliate might not be represented as well because, uh, you know, they have their own special specialties. Uh, BRL, you know, you, you want to know, you want to hear from that affiliate, their opinion, right. because they're supposedly the experts. Uh, right. CCLVI is the expert on low vision. And one other fact for you on special interest affiliates, uh, I'd be remiss to tell you that in your list while ago, RSBA was also another 25 vote member. Yep, you're absolutely right. Time. And and I I, are, are, I guess they still are 25 members, aren't they? Uh, they were 22, I think, the last time. Yeah, but, but, now, but, you, you but know, still pretty over. large. But yeah, yeah they're, I mean, they're still a large and, and productive yeah. affiliate. So, and, and we don't want to do anything. And that's why I think we, you know, that 2023 is good. We get to have some thought about this thing and some input, uh, like we yeah. had on ACB conversation about right. how will it affect special interest affiliates' abilities to grow, you know, and have an actual voice in the convention. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to step back because I don't want to hog up your time and okay. let other people. So, uh, Rick, you're, if you'll mute me, I'm good. You're welcome to hog. Um, <laughs> RSVA. I'll still be here if you need very good. RSVA is an interesting situation because they have a, a pretty large number of members, um, but they don't tend to have large numbers of members at convention, um, or at least comparatively. I think that that Lua and BRL and CCLVI probably have more members at convention. Um, than RSVA does, though so perhaps an RSVA person will call and tell me I'm full of it. Um, but that's certainly my impression, so it'll be interesting. Mr. Rick, do we have another hand? Yeah, we yeah. sure do. We got Terry. Miss Terry. Good evening. I will Hello take on there. your I will take on your RSVA issue right now. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and that, and it's one of the reasons that I believe that we do need to keep affiliate votes. Mm -hmm. And a special interest um, organ because special interest affiliates are one of the one of the great purposes I think that they serve as especially with when you talk like RSVA sometimes with Ivy um, it's RSVA you're right RSVA does not have a lot of people at, at the convention to to vote because they also have the lowest unemployment rate. The reason I know more people when I was in RSVA myself, and I know many, many people, they don't have the time to take a week to sit at a convention. No, I, I get that. When they're doing that, they're losing money at work. You know, and and we do have organizations that people, some of our special interest affiliates, people belong to as part of their work environment. Yep. And so that's why I think we do need the special interest affiliate because they, they yes, technically they have the the right to vote, but they don't necessarily have the opportunity to because they are the ones that aren't part of the 70% unemployment. And that may sound harsh, and I don't mean it that way, but it's reality. So RS, RSVA um, has a 
has an odd constitution. Um, and, and since you've been a member, you can probably comment on some of these things. Let, and so tell me if I'm correct in what I'm saying. Um, How many years it's been since I read their constitution? <laughs> <laughs> but RS, RSVA, um, as I understand it anyway, and we're going to do a show where we invite RSVA to come on and, and talk about exactly what they do, because we haven't done that yet. Um, but uh, RSVA, you can only be a full member of RSVA if you're an active vendor. So um, I, I, think, I think the number of people who are actually allowed to vote in RSVA um, certainly during their business meeting is, is determined by how many active members you are. And I think RSVA has also been, uh, I don't know if the right word is hurt, but perhaps because they actually have state um, elements who are represented at the national board who sometimes end up being at odds with one another. Um, and so that that can sometimes um, limit the degree to which RSVA can speak as a single organization. So, so it's interesting. It is, and I think that's why it's important to have um, a, to have a delegate and an alternate um, that people can speak to, whether you know whether it's. I, you know, I want Joe or I want Harry. Yeah. Um, I think that they need to be able to do that. So, uh, and I think there are other affiliates that are in, there, there are other affiliates that are similar to that are similar um, in mm -hmm. that people have, people have a particular interest. People don't necessarily just because we're blind doesn't mean that we have an overriding interest in everything that acb is doing or acb isn't doing um you know there are many people who well i think as we've seen with these community calls and that there are many people who have very very specific interests um that touch on maybe lua or brl or rsva or gdui or whoever you want to whatever part of the uh -huh. you want but that doesn't mean that they necessarily want to um, fall in with, uh, fall in on, uh, or join in on everything that ACB is doing. It, it um, would be interesting. I know people, for instance. Yeah. I know people, for instance, who would just as soon see our um, the accessible currency. It, it, it case just go away you know that there, there are people who have varying viewpoints and so they should be able to be a part of what they what interests them or what affects their lives individually you know if you've got somebody who's not a paratransit user why should they have to you know, why should we be focusing so much? Why should they be interested in sitting through a two-hour session on paratransit um, or that's heavily based on paratransit, that kind of thing? I'm just saying there are, you know, all kinds of options that people, none of us have all of the same interests. I would say, and, and, and I don't know what you think, 
I would say, though, that about 80% of our members, or 85% of our members are probably members of state affiliates. And therefore, their special interest affiliate members, those who are members of special interest affiliates, are in addition to their, their state affiliate memberships. A very large, I believe, I don't know that it's as big a uh, percentage as it used to be, because yeah. we don't know what we've got for new members at large. I, I think that's um, true. I know, I know back in our day, we had about five or ten members at large. Um, <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what that number is today. Yeah. And, you know, everybody just keeps saying, oh, we've got a lot of them. But until we actually get some numbers at convention, we have no idea what, what kind of numbers we're talking. So even if even if we can get one man, one vote to work, and even if we have 40 or 45 percent of our members voting um, two or three years from now, uh, your view, your view is that we should still struggle along and continue to do affiliate voting um, despite all the disadvantages of trying to do that. I don't see that there are a lot of disadvantages to it. I think that one thing that it does is it creates some communication between the quote unquote leaders of the affiliates and their membership. And that's something that we are getting desperately low on, I believe. Yeah, but I uh, show me how it does that, because like this year, for instance, there's half an hour between <coughs> the end of a roll call and the counting of affiliate votes. That doesn't give affiliate special interest affiliates the time to, um, to to gather information. So how are how are they to know um how, how are they to do any voting that comes that comes anywhere close to representing their membership? Two points. Number one, forget, don't forget, it's not just special interest. It's also state affiliate. Sure. So it's state in special interest. The other thing is, because of the way we've got the voting set up, unless there's a contested, unless there's a contested election, they, have, they don't have just a half hour. They have the, the night, the entire night before. Mm. That's what Dan Spoon keeps saying. We're only going to do one election a day. So they, I, there's but, plenty of but, time in advance. I, I, and there's they, also the time. They, they have the night They have the night before for, for the standing vote. But I don't think they have, I don't think they have that for between the end of the standing vote and the counting of affiliate votes. Of course they do. If they know the night before, who's going to be running for second vice president, then they have the option of polling their, of polling their, um, of polling their membership then. I get your point. Fair enough. Okay. I take, I take that. So it, so it's really not accurate to say that there's only half an hour. No, it really isn't. The only time that you run into that is if you have a contested vote. And I, I still haven't figured out if there's a contested vote, they're talking that it's going to be, He's still saying there's only going to be one election a day. So if you have a contested vote, is it going to be the same day or is it going to be the next morning? I I haven't figured that part out myself. (laughs) All right. So what what about what about um, what what about the argument that historically within ACB um, there really hasn't in the past uh, been very much evidence that special interest affiliates in particular 
um, do much communicating uh, before the affiliate vote is taken? Um, I'm not sure that that's really true in that historically we have had so many caucuses and granted they're generally state caucuses, but you're talking to people who are there in person. And so they are also members of most of the, of the special interest affiliates. Yeah, GDUI, PRL, CCLVI, I guess, have, have in the past held some caucuses, but you're right, right. not very, not very right. many. They, they haven't run many, but, the, but many of their members would be at the Midwest caucus, or the sure. Maryland, Massachusetts, Florida caucus, so what mm-hmm. have you. Yeah. And, and, and virtually all those caucuses appear to be going away, by the way. Exactly. And it's why I think we need to be pushing more. The um, We need to be very strongly pushing, I think, the um, forums that the, uh, the town halls, I'm not sure what they're calling them at this point, um, that the BOP is going to be running for two nights right. later this month, as I recall. Right. That is correct. Um, yes. I, I, I think that, that those need to be um, very, very well advertised and pushed. Um, for our members, for all members, regardless of whether they're a member of a state affiliate, a special mm-hmm. interest affiliate, or a member at large, people mm-hmm. really, really need to realize the importance of listening to those and, and asking questions at them. Very good. Thank you, Miss Terry. Okay, enjoy. Pat, well, and, and Pat, feel free to jump in. Yep. Yeah, Pat Sheehan's here, Paul. Ah. The co-chair of our voting task force. He can answer all our questions. Well, there you go, Mr. Paul. Good to hear your voice, sir. So I have the pleasure of either uh, uh, disagreeing with David Trod or disagreeing with Terry Pacheco. That's Ah. a great position for me to be in. It is. I think that I would tend to, with the questions you've been asking, Mm -hmm. agree with Terry. I think that the affiliate vote is something that we want to keep. I I think that your the questions that you're asking are good ones, though. And and the other thing that um, the little uh, back and forth that you and Terry just had, she is correct in that we will be having one election per day. But you are also correct because by the time we get down to Friday and Saturday. Uh, when we will be still having maybe six or seven elections, you won't have the luxury of uh, of going to the affiliate vote and figuring out what the affiliate vote is going to be, um, you know, in between those elections. So right. each election may be an hour and a half. So so we really have to think about, and that's one of the one of the issues that the uh, uh, affiliates have been asking the voting task force. How should we conduct our affiliate elections? And have and do you, have you made any suggestions to them? We have uh, for the smaller affiliates. I, I think it's easy, but I think it's a little bit difficult. Uh, I know Jeff Tom with California has. Uh, they've come up with some suggestions. A lot of it uh, is really dealing with you know communication. Whether they're going to have uh, a separate caucus on Zoom. Um, texting, having, uh, let's say, some representatives who will be collecting votes. But I think the larger, uh, you know, and, and reporting those into the delegate and alternate, 
I, I think that I, I agree with Terry. I think that the, uh, the affiliate votes and, and I haven't been on, uh, the, uh, uh, on the other email list. So I haven't seen too much of the uh-huh. back and forth going on, but I think that the affiliate vote is important. Uh, I think if you've got uh, 40, a 40% return on um, the uh, election, that the effect of the affiliate vote will not be as large as it would be, let's say at election, if we were having it um, in person at a convention. Why? Um, because I think you're going to have 40%. If you have 40% of ACB's total uh, uh, population, uh, your affiliate vote, I think, will be a, a smaller percentage of that. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to explore that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that's a given, Patrick. Um, I think I think it's arguable if you take if you take all of the membership in special interest affiliates, um, you're, you're, you're probably going to get a number that, that is, that is as, as uh, uh, well, it's, it's going to be the, the, yeah, it, I, I think it's going, I think it's going to produce about the same number of votes, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, do you think do you think that in in 2024 2025 um uh we we should continue to operate with affiliate votes or or do you see us doing away with them for the sake of time in conventions i i think that we should keep them i it'll be interesting to see this year how well we do with time Mm-hmm. We'll have the affiliate uh, the affiliate roll call vote in a separate Zoom room. You're going to be going down the list one right after the other. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be fairly quick. Yeah. Counting and recording and counting and recording the votes. So I think that's going to be fairly quick. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is our first time trying it. The one thing I do think, and I, this is kind of what we're hearing, is that once we give everyone... Uh, uh, the ability to vote going back and taking that away next year. Oh, I don't think we can do that. Would not be a good thing to do. No. And then how we go forward and how much do we use it? Uh, is it just for elections? And remember this year we've got 13, uh, 13, uh, 13 positions that are open. We've mm-hmm. never had that before. And next year uh, in Omaha, we'll be back to, five for board members. So that'll be a lot easier. We won't have as much complications as we have this year. And, and what, maybe one board of publications position next year. Yeah. So it's not going to be as many. I think, yeah, you're right. So that would be, yeah, six. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is going to be an interesting year breaking in a new uh, voting system um, with the amount of elections we have, and then running the affiliate vote and uh, stand the individual vote, and you know why so, we did that, right? Yeah, keep keep it as close to what we have now as possible. Correct. So, uh, you know, I mentioned it at the beginning when you called in to start with, but um, for those folks who don't know, uh, Pat Sheehan is uh, 
from Maryland and is co-chair of the voting task force that that has struggled and developed uh, the system that we're that we're using. Jeff Tom is your co-chair, yes? That's right. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so Patrick, it, it is it your expectation that the voting task force will continue to function after this year's elections? Yeah, I think we ha are planning to um, continue on. Uh, we want to find a way to see if we can, um, after the pandemic is over and uh, there's no more emergency, we actually mm -hmm. may lose our ability to have that authority that was granted to us um, to have these remote elections mm -hmm. gone. So, so you have to find a mechanism for being able to move this process forward. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are exploring. And I, I think that, uh, I think that as we all agree, that being able to continue remote voting uh, in Omaha in some way would be great. Um, well, I, I, I think it would be saying. crucial. Yeah. Right. I agree. I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost like uh, saying, okay, now that we're, um, now that we're, uh, you know, away from the pandemic, we don't have to have, you know, any of the convention virtual anymore. Mm -hmm. The same kind of impact. So, yeah. So we need to find a way to make that happen. So stick around, um, stick around, Patrick. I may, I, I may ask you a question further down the road, but let's see if we have anybody else who has some Very comments good. they'd like to make. Thank you, Mr. Patrick. Thank you. Good to be here, Paul. Thanks. Yep. Mm -hmm. no, other hand, no other hands are up at the moment, Paul. <clears throat> okay. So want to talk a little bit more um, and, and, um, I'll, I'll invite Patrick to jump in too um, about the the long term future of of voting within ACB um, and whether there are some other ways that we can uh, encourage uh, affiliates uh, to feel valued and important within the ACB system. You know, in in the past, um, we we have talked about um, some specific things. Uh, we we talked a little while ago about Lua and its uh, stuff. BRL right now is uh, is doing the Braille Buzz every couple of months, and one of the things that that we've talked about is making. Uh, access to downloading it or subscribing to it as a podcast um, dependent on membership, but we haven't done that yet. And I'm, and, and I'm not sure that as the current president of BRL, I would want to, but it's another way of building a membership benefit that you get from being a member of affiliates. And I think one of the things that if affiliates are going to survive with anything like the power that they have now, they're they're going to have to figure out some ways um, to become um, more clearly identified with what they are in fact providing to their members as benefits. So, at large chapters, it seems to me is a good idea. 
Um, if you set up statewide at large chapters that meet once a month, you can often cover issues that happen um, day by day. I think I think local chapters are still important, but perhaps you should do what Florida does, for instance, if you do have local chapters and hold president's meetings once a month, as, by the way, ACB does. These president's meetings would um, enable you to invite the presidents of all of your local chapters to get together so that you can ensure that there's really good communications between uh, your state affiliate uh, leadership officers and so on and, and your local chapter presidents. Um, so I think that's, that's another thing that's happened. Um, I think affiliates can also put together lists that are similar to the lists that operate on for ACB. Should there be a leadership list within state affiliates or within, uh, I'm not sure special interest affiliates make sense. So they might, you know, <clears throat> BRL has state affiliates in several places we have one state rep who is automatically elected to our board every year but would it be better if we actually had a regular meeting um with with our state affiliate members from missouri illinois um pennsylvania florida california and texas and per, probably New York, <coughs> it probably would be a good thing. I mean, we have we have essentially all of these sub chapters, and at the moment, we're probably in BRL not doing enough to assure that they do feel fully in, involved and included. Um, so maybe it would be a good thing for us to create a situation um, where. We actually hold um, uh, a an, an affiliate meeting within special interest affiliate organizations. So it'll be interesting. And and Guide Dog Users, of course, has a number of state affiliates. They, they used to have more than they do now, um, but they they do have a number, and I think others do too. I think there's someone who's joined us. Would you like to make a comment? No. Okay. Uh, Pat's here. Pat's still here with his mic open. Ah, Pat, what what do you think of what I've said about some of the things that that state and special interest affiliates can do? I think that works really well, Paul. Uh, one thing I have noticed, even in Maryland, is that even for our chapter meetings and our state board meetings, that because we are uh, zooming, uh, that we are. are attendance at these meetings are are much uh, higher than they were individually. I still think that there is a, a need to be able to get together physically. Uh, and what we're planning to do is to make get out and just meet at restaurants. Now, we don't have to do ACB business when we meet socially like that, but I think there's value in that. I also think that in looking at um, what you've done with respect to BRL and Lua, uh, you've got established programs. So you have uh, yes. groups of people that, that do that. And I think that has done a lot to, um, 
and people expect that and they attend and they know that it's going to be good programming. So I think that that is valuable and helps to define what BRL, Lua, of course, GDUI has a very well-defined program and mission. And so I think uh, that's putting more, um, more uh, emphasis on those affiliates. Uh, but there's also more work on the presidents of those affiliates to make sure that they can stand out and that they have a, a, a plan and a work program going forward. So I think that's valuable. Uh, I know in the past we've also talked about uh, the special interest affiliates getting together and making sure that um, as special interest affiliates that they have a voice within ACB. And I think that's important um, to recognize that and to make sure that decisions are being made by the board and the leadership that they're taken into consideration. So I think I think what you brought up is, is is a good way forward. We're going to have to look at it and see in this new virtual world. Um, I think there are opportunities and there are perhaps uh, maybe a couple of risks for special interest affiliates. But I think keeping what we have right now, as far as voting is concerned, is important. Do we expand this so that we can vote constitution or do we move this so we can do uh, so that we have a voting system for um, uh, for um, the bylaws. Uh, Resolutions. Solutions, yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. Uh, that would be interesting. Can you imagine how long those meetings could go? Goodness. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a way to expand it. We'll get a lot more voices. You get a lot more people involved. I don't know how we've done as far as membership, I guess, uh, I guess Ralph will be bringing us all together in another week or so to talk about with the community called community events that we've had. How many people did we bring in? You know, uh, did we engage them and bring them in through the um, in, into ACB? Are they part of uh, a part of committees, task force, and all that? I'm not sure. Well, see. well I, yeah. I, I think it would be good, though, if 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 we do make an effort um, to 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 get some data to try to determine how many at large members we have at the national level and, and how many of those at large members actually become members of other affiliates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, be, because certainly as as a as an affiliate leader, one of the concerns I have is because it's so relatively easy to join as an at-large member at the national level and so much harder to join um, special interest affiliates, um, unfortunately, um, I, I, I think that what we're tending to see, at least to begin with, is a lot of people who are becoming at-large members who, who will participate with special interest affiliates on community calls but who will not necessarily <clears throat> be um, actively involved in terms of membership. Now, having said that, um, what I can tell you is that speaking for the organization that I'm president of, BRL, we have, we have significantly increased our membership this year. We went from around 160 members to 229 members mm -hmm. this year. Wow. And, 
And, and I mean, clearly that's because of community calls, because of the work that we've done and because of our programs during convention as well. So, you know, all of those things were responsible. And well, and it's also the result of the fact that the folks who were responsible for membership actually did a good job in BRL um, and, and probably another special interest affiliates. I'm not making BRL the special organization, but did a good job of doing outreach to folks who we knew were part of our meetings. So yeah. <laughs> if folks registered for convention last year in BRL, we made every effort to contact those folks and try to encourage them to become members of BRL. You know, so yeah, and you had the programming to follow that up with. So we did. Yeah, we did. And I think that, and I think that's key. I mean, putting a program together once a month, like you did, like you've done, is is uh, right. that's a lot of work. Well, and we also, and we also, we also do. Uh, a magazine that's generally mm -hmm. 60 pages or so in braille twice a year so right, right. yeah so it's pretty good yeah all right um any other hands Mr. yeah Pe penny reader miss penny hey paul hey penny um so uh, you had asked about affiliates and or talked about affiliates with um affiliates with affiliates and gdui is one such affiliate yes so we have a bunch of state affiliates uh and at least one regional affiliate and mm -hmm. um our affiliates do meet every other month uh kind of immediately a couple days before the board meets every other month and um it's a great way to communicate and keep people talking with each other that's um, a cool idea um, then, so we have an affiliate, uh, like an affiliate liaison on our board. She's a non-voting -vote member, but she's an ex-officio member. And so then she reports to the board and uh, and then kind of takes news back and forth between the board and the, the leaders of the organization. So it's a, it works out well. So um, the affiliate liaison is not necessarily a member of any of those affiliates? Uh, she is a member... <coughs> but not a president she's she has a separate job yeah got it okay so it works out pretty well um i think the affiliate vote is superfluous at acb conventions in fact i think it should be kind of illegal because i mean i'm a member of seven special interest affiliates so i have a fraction of seven different uh votes in addition to my one vote as a member of acb and i just don't think that's right so, uh, Terry and I are best friends, but we totally disagree on the affiliate vote. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so you think you think that 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 we should eventually just phase affiliate votes out? I'm sorry, we didn't. I'm sorry, we didn't phase it out this year. I don't think it even needs to be phased out. I think it should be eliminated. I mm -hmm. think you know. I believe in one vote, one person, one vote. Hmm. Do you, um, because if everybody can vote, it would be different if, as, as it was like back in the day that David was describing, when people couldn't, lots of people couldn't come to convention. So then it was representative democracy, and you would contact your affiliate representative and tell that person how you wanted to vote. But now you can vote yourself. So I don't think we need the, the affiliate vote. Do you, do you think that? Do you think that I'll, I'll, 
I'll take your question just a second, Patrick. Yes. Um, but um, Penny, do you think do you think that taking away affiliate votes is is going to make it harder, uh, particularly for special interest affiliates, to um, to get their issues considered by ACB? Um, I don't think it should depend on how ACB leadership expects an affiliate to vote as to whether or not our, that affiliate's important issues get considered. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Why, uh, why, Pat, why would that be the case, do you think? Ex explain well, that. Well, I mean, I, it, let's, let's assume you're a relatively small special interest affiliate. And the only voting that's happening is is one one man one vote across the board. How how do you persuade um, anybody that your little tiny issues are are all that important? Let's say you're Ivy and you want you want right. to see you want to see um, ACB uh, make a decision that encourages RSA um, to make entrepreneurial training. A, co a key component of um, rehabilitation. Um, uh, okay. You know how do you how do you sell that to the larger organization well, if you I no longer have the same I join voice? The, uh, I join conversation. If I'm a president, I join leadership, and um, I write a resolution. And I go to resolutions committee, and I uh, also talk to other affiliate presidents and talk of my issue. That mm -hmm. should be enough. Yeah, should, might be, could be. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Patrick. <laughs> so, so I was going to ask Penny, um, but the Constitution calls for the affiliate vote and the standing vote. I know that, but that's be, that the Constitution reflected a different situation from the one that right. we're in. So. And I actually think the D.C. Code might. Yeah. Um, not favor the affiliate vote at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you. We would have to check that out and probably get a legal opinion on that. I think. Ask Maria. She'll tell you. What's that? <laughs> Ask Maria. <laughs> Which Maria? Either, yeah, the either Maria. One. The Maria. Either Maria. No, but I either the Maria. Maria H. A, the Maria H and Maria K. They're, they're great. I've given, we we have given you great treasures in our Marias from June. Oh, you you absolutely yeah they they. They are great, yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But the other part of that is, and I think, Paul, you brought it up, um, you know, you're, you're still, you know, if you're looking at Ivy or, or any of the special interest affiliates, you've got a finite number of people who join ACB. You're going to have to make an either-or decision. It's either going to be Ivy or it's going to be GDI. Which one? Why? Why? For my vote, one person, one vote, right? Well, I mean, in each election, I have one vote, and I can choose one out of a number of candidates. And right, but you you have one vote for GDY, let's say. If you're I have, of Ivy, right now, you can vote for Ivy. You can. I think I should just have one vote for ACB, and I should do other things in Ivy. Right, but Ivy wouldn't have. Right, but Ivy wouldn't have they wouldn't have your fraction of a vote. So, no, they wouldn't. 
well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have any vote if if it they wouldn't have away. anybody's vote, right? They but it's yeah. so. What the national, as a person? What the National Federation of the Blind does, at least as I understand it, I haven't been to their meetings for a number of years, but they actually have committees that are that that is how special interest folks get get their issues discussed, and the committees meet at convention. But I don't think they have any votes whatsoever. Yeah, I see. That's how I think it should work. So then you you would. So what about GDUI, Penny? I mean, I think GDUI has lots of issues they can work on, and I don't think that they need. I don't think when I vote, I need to vote on behalf of GDUI. I need to vote on behalf of my my my, you know, interests. Um, I I don't think I should have as many votes as I do. I think I should only have one vote. Right. And that's because I, I'm a member of ACB. Right. But suppose your reason for joining ACB is GDY. It can still be my reason for joining ACB because I can persuade ACB to work on my issues as a member of GDY. And I can elect candidates in ACB that I think are going to be sympathetic to my issues. But that doesn't mean I need to give them um, one in a 14th vote. Right. But then GDUI as a, as a uh, entity doesn't have those votes. It, it's not swaying any elections. It works out really well in GDUI. We don't have an affiliate vote. We have a one-person, one-vote system. This is election week in GDUI. If you're a member, I hope you're voting. Um, and our affiliates still get heard because they get heard at that affiliates meeting I was talking about. And uh, they participate in board meetings and on committees and uh, in our magazine. And um, I don't think any of our affiliates misses having a, an affiliate vote in GDUI. Uh, some of them miss having an annual meeting, and I think we're working on that. But they don't miss having an affiliate vote. <laughs> but if if they if they are if they are if they are state organized affiliates <clears throat> do you use your affiliate meeting every two months um, to spell out activities that they can operate with at the local level we do and they and they tell each other what they're doing mm -hmm. at the local level and then we all get ideas from one another mm -hmm. You know, who's, who's to say, guys, that special interest affiliates couldn't essentially be lobbying groups within the yeah. larger ACB? Absolutely. Well, I, I think that's what they would, I think that's what they'd have to be. Um, how would you feel, Penny, about having, let's, let's call it a, a, a special interest affiliate council? That that would meet say three or four times a year. Um, that that would not only sell what each of the special interest affiliates did, but would also um, put forward what what amounts to a special interest affiliate platform for ACB. And then will we all lobby each other to sign sure. on to each other's special? I don't yeah. know. I don't know how that would work um, in conjunction with like. The steering committees and the board. I, I mean, I mean, it's worth thinking about, but I'm not sure. Well, 
There's, I, I think there, every, all those separate entities might just be jockeying for power. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get I'll get all kinds of arguments uh, probably when I say what I'm about to say. I think that the that the steering committees are to a degree top down, but we don't have very many bottom up organizations. And I, I'm wondering what it would be like to have, let's say, a special interest affiliate council and then a state affiliate council. You know, right now we have. A, mm -hmm. a president's meeting that happens once a week um, where state and special interest affiliate presidents get together and where you can certainly use that entity for for lobbying but they're that's a closed meeting so it's not it's not open but i'm i'm wondering if if the creation of these two councils uh might be a way uh might be a way to assure that 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 there is a method for um, membership organizations to communicate with leadership on a regular basis, because because that's that's what I'm afraid is going to go away. Um, well, that's because, a, yeah. that's yeah. certainly a complaint we hear in GDY that it's too top down. Even yeah, though we have lists and we have meetings yeah. and our board meetings are always open, and um, so yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but, you know, I think it's um, I was thinking about what you just said in terms of like the BOP meetings, which are mm -hmm. open to everybody. Right. And we do hear from uh, from from, you know, members who maybe just joined GUI or members who who aren't right from the top. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. So I think we need to do whatever we can do to encourage that. Yeah. And as long as we're continuing to use Zoom as 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 our primary form of communication, um, we we can continue to make those meetings open. Yeah, and, I think uh, it's Zoom that has really facilitated that kind of yeah. communication all over ACB. Mm -hmm. Agree. Other issues, Patrick? Huh. I, you know, going back to, to what you said, Penny, you had as oh, yeah, he apparently had, had muted me. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mute, Terry. Hey, Terry. I, so, I've been saying, can I jump in here for a minute for five minutes? And I just realized I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We'll let you jump in. What I wanted to say is, what I, I'm not sure. I think your, your council idea is an interesting one, but what I do think is I'm not sure that this president's meeting and president's list that's going on on a, what is it, a weekly basis now, Right. if that isn't creating more of a top-down, I'm wondering if it wouldn't be better to, you know, if you go back to, Paul, go back to when you and I started the leadership list, one of the... Pre Basic principle, uh, the basic rules of the leadership list, or principles of it. <coughs> excuse me, was for the people who were on that from the affiliates. Their responsibility for being on that list was to disseminate that what came out on that list to their members, giving yeah, them more of more of a, of a feeling, more of a of a sense of inclusion. I'm doing it. happening at this point. It's a well, we know it, 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 that, we know it didn't. We, we know that that didn't. We know that that isn't what it turned into. But what I'm saying is that perhaps the but that this certainly was its its original intent. So you're yes, correct about that. And so maybe 
So what I'm saying is that maybe this president's list should become something more like that was originally intended to be so that it's not just a conversation among the presidents, but it's getting down to the members of those of those affiliates. No, I think, I think that's, that's what I think that's where we need more. Yeah. I think I the think presidents do communicate to their members after those meetings. Right. But I think I, I, I belong to four affiliates well. and I've never heard from any one of them. I think the current leadership list is intended to be more like what our original one was. Uh, maybe it's just that it's so huge now. But um, well, I know that Sarah, for instance, who's the president of GDY, communicates to GDY members after those meetings. And now that there's an editor's list, the editors are all communicating with one another. I, I, I don't know that it's all so bad. Penny, let me ask you a question. Going back to one of Paul's ideas, or maybe your idea, the affiliate council. So I'm something in ACB, let's say, and the affiliate council says I should do X, but if they don't have any votes or whatever, why should I listen to them? Um, they have to be really good at persuading you. I, I don't think, I, I just don't think votes should be used that way. I think it's corrupt. <laughs> But, but, but I, I guess the, the, the question is, in, in the American political system, Penny, just to, 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 to use the argument in a slightly different way, there are platforms um, that, that clearly spell out the kinds of policies that, that we want the American people to use when they vote to determine who they want to vote for. Now, we, we can argue... That, that that's the responsibility of the candidates to come up with and and the platforms that they put on the candidates page uh, will in fact be the platforms that um, that that folks should use but but I would I would argue that that that's probably not going to work um, if 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 we really take affiliate voting away um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I can prove that it works with affiliate voting either. Yeah, does it work with affiliate voting? How does it, give me an example of how it works. Well, I, I think it I think it works with affiliate voting because um, well, I, 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 I think it works with affiliate voting because because People recognize that there that there are going to be affiliate votes, and therefore the leadership of the organization will tend to, to take issues that are raised by special interest affiliates more seriously than they'd have to if there was no longer any special interest affiliate or affiliate voting. Um, and it, it, it seems to me that there's a real danger that ACB will become a top-down organization only working on national issues and for the most part, not taking special interest or or state affiliate issues as seriously as they do now. Well, I don't think they're. I don't think it works out very well now. I think that if you if you have to go from affiliate to affiliate to get their votes, um, and you go to all those caucuses, um, you're going to concentrate on the most the affiliates with the, the highest amount of membership 
and you're not going to focus very much on the tiny affiliate that's, um, I don't know, I can't think, I don't want to offend anybody by thinking of a tiny affiliate name, but you know what I mean. I think you're still, it's still going to be <coughs> the affiliates that are the biggest that are going to get your attention. And I don't know that that's very democratic. And it's it's probably not very different though from from American elections in general because clearly, <laughs> the, it kind of sucks too. <laughs> yeah, the the, the 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 larger media organizations, the True. big corporations, the the entities who can put out who can put out huge sums of money for lobbying are are the are the organizations that tend to create platforms. That's true. That's very true. David's been trying to jump back in here, guys. Um, David, jump in. Um, Yeah, I want to tell you how right you are and how wrong I think you are. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, you are right. An an affiliate council works, and you're the reason that we know that. Uh, Because if you recall back when we shortened the convention. I do recall. uh, The special interest affiliates got together and their voices were heard. Yeah. Yeah. the voting, on the other hand, uh, me as an elected officer of ACB, I tend to listen to people. I tend to get out in, you know, I get out all I'm all over the conventions. and right. I'm all on the phone with people and talking to people all the time. I get more of my views and all from the membership. Now, I belong to several special interest groups. I very rarely am asked how I want to vote. And so I, I see that as a shortcoming. If you could come up with a way uh, to say how you're going to get your, your thoughts in. Now, there are some affiliates. I, I'm not saying all. Uh, there are some that, that want you to get it in. But there are some right. that would just assume you not let them know anything. Because, right. <laughs> you know, so, because, it, you know, there's, there's a flaw in it. But anybody you elect with your single vote should, should at least be open to your views. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter, uh, if it's an, I, you know, the affiliate vote doesn't mean as much to me as what John Doe out there thinks. I might not agree with him, but if it comes up at a board level, I'm going to present their case. I may say, now I don't agree with this, but this is what someone wants to hear. Uh, and, and that's how you ought to vote. You ought to vote for people that's going to represent you, regardless of, of their views. And an affiliate vote is not going to change that. And, and it's not going to change the way they view. Um, I didn't particularly agree with all the policies in my own, one of my own organizations, but I presented it. And, 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 and I saw to it that we went with it when it was passed. And, so let's, and those, those are the kind of things that you've got to look at. And, you know, I love the affiliate vote. Uh, I love hearing it. You know, it's, it's entertaining. But to me, that's all <laughs> it is. I agree let's, let, let's, take, let's take the board of directors. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you the fact that you run around conventions, that you talk to people, that you do all of these things. Um, and, but do... Do other board members do that in the first place? And in the second place, is there a lot of evidence out there that says that that the board of directors is a place where um, 
input from membership is heard very much? And, and if the answer to that question is no, should we be taking steps to try to ensure that the board in fact is more open and involved with seeking input from members? I would say that, that there's some that are, and there's some yes. that, that are not, that they sure. have their own agenda. Uh, of course. But that's going, that's going to be the case if you have individual votes or not. And that's why your individual vote you're, is so you're important. Achieve what you want, yeah. Right. I, I, I don't see how that's going to help. No, I, I don't think the affiliate vote impacts that. But what my concern is, um, and and I think David and I have talked about this in the past. In 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 the dim and distant past, when I was president of ACB, um, I couldn't I couldn't count on the board being feeling being comfortable with what with what I wanted to do they saw their role as questioning what the leadership was was interested in doing and only acceding to doing what the leadership wanted once the board had been convinced that it was a good idea and I'm not so sure that's happening as much now no I don't I don't know I, I I'm not gonna comment but I, I <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that that, that I, if we know, and if someone, uh, let's say that you come to me with an issue, uh, if I bring that issue up, it's as, it's as prevalent as it ever was. Uh, and, the, and that's going to depend on the individuals that you elect to office and to the board. The board's going to change drastically from year to year. For example, if you elect everybody that you've got on there now, you still are going to have two new members. So the uh -huh. makeup of that board is going to change. Uh, you could have 13 new positions elected this year. The, then, the, then the position would certainly drastically change. Uh -huh. And uh, it's it's going to change from time to time. Will it always be the way we want it? Uh, probably not. There's a lot of things I don't like. Uh, you know, but okay, when, when CCLVI brought up the large print issue, uh, the board went with it, not because of the vote, but because CCLVI was considered to be our experts. Right. Yeah. Uh, there were some real issues. That I, came I up think the that's same a way. good role for affiliates. I mean, I think yeah. I want yeah. you to come to me if, as a guide dog user if you don't know how to how to react to a guide dog issue. Uh, and then I want to go to somebody in CCLVI if I don't know what kind of fonts to use because they're the experts. But I don't. I don't want to have to go to CCLVI and beg them for their votes. I want them to vote for me because they know me kind of more on a broader level. And I would like to make a proposal. Um, yes. I think I, I mentioned this to Paul um, about a month ago or so. And I think this is what we should. I think this is two things. I think, number one, it should be a question that's asked of the candidates. I think that's a very important question for the candidates. What, how, just how they plan to, to communicate with the membership as a whole. And the other thing is that I think my biggest concern with the board right now is the board is going to be the ones doing the voting on the resolutions this year. I think that the resolutions we should be holding since, especially since we're doing everything on Zoom, we should have perhaps during the month of August some sessions where the 
resolutions can be discussed and have an open discussion with any members that want to be on it at that time and the board be required to be on that call and listen and listen to what the members are how the members actually are feeling i think that's now, a great that might idea. not be very popular but i think that it, i think it would be an excellent step in in the in that direction i yeah, agree i, I think that's I a think great that idea. would be good i think that would be good and, and, and I actually like that's somewhat what we did that, last year it is except except that except there was no expectation that board members would be there there were a couple of board members who were on the resolutions committee jeff tom was um trying to think who else was thinking there's there may have been one other but but pat board was members, on resolutions a few times were you um, on resolutions last year pat can't remember i don't think so i i do remember jeff <laughs> And I think Jeff. I think the board should times. be. I think. The, I think if someone's willing to sit on the board as a representative of the membership, they should be willing to commit to doing something like that. I really do. I, I think it's a good point. I think. I, I think it'd be a good thing I to have. I think they should be willing to be on conversation. Board. I think yeah. it should be worth, You want them to hear from members. I think they should be willing to listen to members. I agree with. You. I think that's right. I think, I think that's right. I think it would be better to do it as Zoom meetings than on conversation. Conversation is so overcrowded at this point it's pretty good lately you haven't have you looked lately i think it's pretty good yeah yeah i, I don't had, i don't, um, I don't find it overcrowded 99 calls on it well the the, the my other point thing is, though my you, point you is think? that then you've got people going back and forth i'm saying give it a finite time frame and we yeah. don't want to do that on the conversation after last well, week's un debacle. unfortunately though if you're going to have dialogue with the members uh, you're going to have to put up with certain dialogue you don't want to be in. Uh, I read all the conversation emails. Uh, I have never posted the conversation. And the reason for that is not because I haven't had anything to say. It's, it's that the, the points I would make have already been made. So I, I don't believe in being redundant. I Conversation is an excellent out. And David, I am certainly not pointing a, a finger at you by any means. I think you are excellent at it. I think there are, I question how many members of the organization could, could even list off with the members of the board are. Um, you know, I think that that's why I'm just saying, I think that it would be good because there are so many of the board members who are not um, actively engaged, I think, with the, with the general membership. Carrie, I bet that's always been the case. I think yeah. people. It has, know, but it doesn't. It, it, but that doesn't make it right. The, the, the only way you're going to change that is right with your vote. Penny. No. no, but if you vote for David Trott this year and David doesn't do what he committed to do, then the next time he comes along, you need to remember that with your vote. That's exactly I right. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's democracy. That's uh, right. Because I, I can I can stand up and, and, and tell you anything, but those who know me know that I do. Uh, uh -huh. You know, I'm I'm there. Uh, yeah. Paul and I love to uh, have spirited debates, <laughs> and we have them regularly. <laughs> we do, uh, but but I do listen to him. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, <laughs> a matter of fact. He asked me a, a constitutional question last week, and I got it. You, you know, it's it's. But you've got to, you've got to not only listen to people. You've got to react and, and do the things that you need to do, whether it's it's your political agenda or theirs. 
they have the right to be heard and they've elected you to represent them. And, yeah. and that's the way that when, when I vote, I try to vote <laughs> knowing that somebody has the same ethical values that I do. Well, that's interesting. Um, how, how do, or if, or does, if, I don't know if anybody would even want to comment on this, uh, do, do, do we feel that, that currently the board is pretty passive? Do you feel that way, David, that, that, that there aren't a lot of issues that board members are raising in board meetings? And that may not be a bad thing because it may be that they're getting raised in other meetings that are being held because I think I think it would be accurate to say that given steering committees and given other things, there there are probably more regular meetings of uh, ACB leadership that, that are happening now than have ever happened before. I think that ACB is more diverse than it's ever been. And okay. I think... Uh, I think what is happening that's different from it was when I first came on the board is you had these political cliques that constantly bannered back and forth. I'll use the word banner rather than argue, yeah. because, <laughs> you know, but nevertheless, it, it, a lot didn't get done. I mean, it sounded good. You know, everybody wanted their names in the minutes. Now, if I say something, I feel like it's something important. If I don't have anything to say, I don't need to be in the minutes that time. But but the beauty of the way things is working today is you've got task force that are actually working. These committees answer to a steering committee. And they have rocks that they have to, you know, have to produce. Uh, and they're looking at the membership of a committee. If you're on a committee and you're just holding a chair, we don't need you on that committee. And we so we, what we've ended up with now is a lot of good, diverse committees that get a lot of things done. And I think that that we need to take pride in what we've done in, as an organization, especially through the pandemic. But even before that, when when Dan Spoon come on and come up with his uh, nine areas of, of programs mm -hmm. that, that we work in, uh, people are working more now where their expertise is. Right. Uh, he put out on the leadership list uh, – uh, you know, and, and didn't hardly get any responses. And then they did it on the, uh, the, the email blast and he got hundreds of responses for people wanting to serve on committees. I think now we're in a world where it's all about communication. And, uh, I, I think ACB's board might sound more passive, but I think we're actually getting more done. If you look at the, the way that, that, you know, ACB functions with our staff, uh, we're back up now to a good high level of staff like we had when uh, actually two of our guys that are here right now, Terry and Penny, were, were working for ACB. We're back at that level and we're getting stuff done. Uh, you know, you, you cannot uh, function and do the things that we do at, at the level that ACB's accomplishing them without the membership. And th that's what's important. No, they may not be up there working with Clark Rackful on some kind of uh, avocation that we're doing, but he has a list of people he can call on that are interested in, uh, let's say, public transportation. You know, we, we're, we're there now, and the ability to communicate both ways is what I think ACB has done to make John Doe member out there 
uh, it, it empowers them. I agree with and, you, David. I am. I'm on the public relations or public affairs hearing committee, and I'm pretty impressed with the work that gets done. And part of it's because there's a rubric from how the meeting is is organized, and you follow that rubric and you do it. You know, you, you have those, those different things that you do at different times during a meeting. And I'm also impressed with the fact that staff members are part of that committee. So back when Terry and I were working for ACB, the board could pop in at any moment and tell us what to do. But that was different from the way things are working now when we're actually, when the staff members are actually, I think, being listened to and playing a role in the decisions that are being made. Uh, and, and they, too, are listening to the leadership that's elected. I, I think it's working pretty well, at least from what I see. I'm not yeah, I think in every I, steering yeah. committee, but I think it works really well. But Eric. I do agree with you about the board. The board, the board is not very um, argumentative, and they're really pretty um, uh, positive in the re reactions to <laughs> things that are going on in ACB, but that's not necessarily bad. But, it, but it's not a rubber stamp either, because if you go back no. to when we were working on the website. Uh, no, no. Uh, or, or when you uh, we, uh, we were talking uh, about uh, creating conversation and uh, asking yeah, people I, to join. Yeah, the Terry, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, what I was uh, I was going to say, you know, we had a lot of committees way back, but and, and a lot of that fell off through the years. But and I, I do think that ACB is doing a lot more with with the task forces and committees than they have at least in the last, I don't know, 15 or 18, 20 years, um, which is very good. I think it's wonderful. I think, I think ACB is in a much, much better place today than it probably ever has been. Um, I just, so should, all I that communication just, back and forth between all kinds of elements. Right. In the organization. Yeah. And, and that's it. I mean, I think we lost communication I think we lost a lot of communication through the years. And um, I think that's, it's, it's wonderful that that's getting reestablished. So should we look at, at uh, having elected or chosen reps to steering committees that aren't necessarily chosen by the president? I think um, that... I think that the president, you know, that that is one of the responsibilities of president. And you you need to know what a president's doing, because if right. you're voting for a president, uh, you can be the most popular person out there. You, you're still might not be presidential material, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> if a president is not listening to you. And this is where I think that the this is one one of the roles, I think, of the special interest affiliates. If if you're uh, on the rehab education task force, for example, uh, where I'm teachers, I would would be fairly insistent that I had a representative on that uh, task force. Mm -hmm. And we we need to be as members uh, what we hadn't been able to do before. See, we we're in a new era now. We have the ability to be proactive, and the only way I'm going to know <laughs> what you think as a member is to hear it. Uh, and that's why I, I like ACB conversation. I, I don't necessarily have to, you know, talk to 500 people, but I can hear what they've got to say because I can go in and listen to, to my emails once or twice a day, depending on the traffic and my time. And, uh, 
I think that's what I would ask if I was electing somebody. Are you going to be a part of this? Uh, how am I going to communicate with you? Well, that that is the most important question that I would ask. Sorry, I think that the steering committees are kind of analogous to the cabinet departments. And I think a president has every right and obligation to choose the person in charge of the departments in the cabinet uh, as somebody who will listen to him or her and, uh, you know, um, carry out the program. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the fact that uh, Dan has a lot to say about who chairs those steering committees and who's on them. Yeah, I, I think if the president is doing a, a good job, that's fine. Yep. I think there could be a compromise. I think that the that having the president select the committee might be a good compromise and have the committee select its own chair. Just a possibility. I mean, we had some, we've had some very good committees in the past. Paul, you remember, Gail was um, chair of the Environmental Access Committee back in the day. Sure. Um, and she did a lot with that group. Uh, the Information Access Committee was, was a very active group. It was. It was a God, knows the scholarship, God knows the scholarship committee has always been a crazy busy committee. Um, yeah. I think I, I think I was liaison to 14 committees at one point when we had I think we had something like 21 of them or 17 or right. some ridiculous number of them at one time. And, you know, that, but as a lot of those committees did elect their own chairs and maybe that's the, maybe that's where um, you could come up with a compromise that maybe the president doesn't necessarily appoint the chair and all of the committee, but maybe appoint the committee and the committee elect its own chair. Well, I think someone would have to demonstrate to me that what's going on right now isn't working because I think it's working pretty well. I, I, I think I think it is working pretty well. I guess the one thing that concerns me is, for the most part, the, com the committees at the top are, are not doing, I think, um, as much work as they could and should do and this doesn't apply to all committees. I mean, for instance, the, the voting task force has done a superb job communicating with folks. But um, I think a lot of the committees, steering committees, are not doing the job that they could of letting members know what they're doing and of maybe holding public meetings every quarter or so to encourage comments in their, in their subject area from members to try to get a clearer notion of what's going on instead what they're what they're doing is they're they are developing among themselves benchmarks and other things which are fine but but it 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 means that we are being we are for the most part being uh, operating with policies um that are that are determined by a small group of folks at the top, uh, with very little input from membership. I that, agree that, that is partially true, Paul. Um, the way it's actually working, though, it comes up more than you think from the membership, but it it does come through the committee level. But there are committees that, and then they answer to the steering committees. And I I do agree <laughs> with you that it would be good for the the steering committee chairs to probably hold a community call or, or do a Tuesday topics yeah. because, uh, you know, uh, you got I a lot of a great idea. 
Mm-hmm. You know, my, my particular area of expertise is finance. And not everybody wants to hear what you spent, but they do want to know at a steering committee level, what are you developing for us to have in the future so that ACB survives? Mm-hmm. Because, because let's get real. We can have 100,000 members, but if we don't have the funding for 100,000 members, uh, and you and I have talked about this, you know, we actually did a, sur- uh, a study one time, and it may have been at, right toward the end of your administration where we figured out that for $5, a member got $100 in value. Um, now, not everybody sees that because the Braille Forum is unfortunately not important to some people or, uh, you know, what you're advocating for. If it's low vision, is not necessarily as important to blind people. Uh, you know, I had people tell me when we were working on the uh, Marrakesh Treaty, why? Uh, and I think it's one of the most valuable things we ever wow. did. It was great, terrible. you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they need to know. Uh, everybody needs to know what we're doing. And if it's by it's if it's a meeting from, say, the chair of the uh, development committee and you're not interested in the finances of ACB, well, then don't show up. You know, I mean, if we listen to uh, whoever the president is of the country and he's out there talking about something we don't care anything about, we, don't, we just cut him off and go to a what another soap opera, one life to live, or something, you know. <laughs> watch your uh, watch your hasn't been game. on in years. Yeah. football game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to some cricket or something, you know. There, well, there you go. Well, you know, I think at the board meetings though that um, they do a pretty good job of talking about what's what the important issues are and what everybody on the staff is doing. I mean, right. I just spent the day doing the summary of the last board meeting. And it, it's been that way all year with all the board meetings I've attended that they spend a lot of time informing the board and it's a public meeting about what's right. going on. Right. But but the, the difference is that whereas the, the, the board of publications and, and perhaps other meetings um, are completely open so that everybody who chooses to can join by zoom um board meetings the only people who can join by zoom are those who are invited that's quite true so they have to wait for that information for when i write the summary and the forum has room to publish it and that's that's a drawback that's true well but 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 also Mm. they, they 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 don't have an opportunity to provide input i don't i don't know you know when 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 we did in person meetings, um, we would usually recognize a, a few people from the sidelines. Oh yeah, and anybody who wanted to could certainly attend board meetings um, with with the with the with the likelihood of being able to participate uh, participate at some point during the meeting. Yeah, you, you could know, always last, ask for the floor. Yeah, yeah. The last I mean, that's in- what we do in GDY. We we make our meetings right. open and we leave uh, the microphones open too. Um, you know, that really bothered me, I think, the most last year when the resolutions were the topic that the board meeting right. was covering. And there was no way for anybody to say anything except the pe- members of the board. Yeah, so I, I agree well, with you. Yeah, the, the members of the resolutions committee got invited at the last minute. Um, and, and so we were there. But... Um, 
There, Only there, a there few were, of you were, speak, were speaking. Right. There, there were, I've, I've there got were to ask you, though, do you, do certainly you think it was intentional or growing things? Uh, well, I, I think, I don't think it was intentional. I think it was, no. it, it was something that, that simply, that, that, that simply happened. I think that, I think it shouldn't have been allowed to happen the way it did, but, but, but I, and, and I don't think it'll happen again. No, I don't. Uh, and and that's that's really the point. I mean, and anybody can make a mistake. Anybody can. And and well, you, and I think well, you got three members of the board here. Yeah. Uh, Penny Penny doesn't have a vote, but she certainly has a right to speak. Yeah. And I I know that this will be carried back to the board uh, well, because I I even if I disagree, I don't disagree with it. I, I think that people, uh, I think we're going to have to revamp the way we do board meetings. Uh, because I can see it being more time consuming, but I, I think that's that shouldn't be an issue because if you've got something you want to address the board about, you certainly should have that opportunity. You know, I think one what yeah, I think one of the things that one of the things that we should probably have done last year and that I, I think we'll probably end up doing this year is is um, the board will meet to do resolutions and virtually nothing else during that meeting. And, and, I hope and, so. I yeah. Hope so. Yeah, and I don't and, think it ought to start at 8 o'clock at night. Either. Yeah. Or seven. <laughs> Could start at 7. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking it might be a good Saturday meeting. I'm thinking uh, Saturday would be good, yeah. yeah. You know, I really so, you guys, because I have to go find the call-in information for the BOP meeting, and it always takes me a while. Um, Goodbye. Thank you. This was a great conversation, Paul. Dave, thank Dave, you. Harry, Rick. Yep. Uh, thank you. Bye. Yep. Thank you. So just just for the heck of it, Rick, do we have any more hands up or nope? We sure don't. I would have uh, I would have let you know, Paul. Very good. Thank you, sir. Um so I I I think we've actually we've actually managed to about put this topic to bed, you guys. So let me let me ask ask you guys for a little help. What I said in my message today was that I wanted to spend a little time during the second hour talking about some issues that you guys think Tuesday topics ought to consider, um, and some other areas, or maybe some other whole approaches that Tuesday topics can take. So. Um, <clears throat> If any of you guys have ideas, well, you, I would you've got one. Be open to them. Yeah, uh, that'll take you a while if you if you bring on the uh, steering committee chairs. Um, that would you know you wouldn't want to do them all in one meeting. So that'd no. be a couple a couple of Tuesday topics right there. Might um, even be might even it might even be three. Do three at a time, maybe. Yeah, and, and another one that would be good is. Uh, to look at how policies of ACB are decided, uh, how do you have input into those policies, that kind of uh -huh. thing? Uh, because I heard them talking about the, uh, let's say one of the big topics on the list was the uh, uh, code of conduct. I'll get it out in a minute. And uh -huh. uh, that that was not done overnight. It was, uh, and and I think uh, I've got two thoughts about that. Uh, I think legally we needed it. Uh, we got a lot of other things going on around the country. I won't get into, um, what you've got to ask yourself is if 
you had a different group of people in and somebody interpreted it different, could it be misused? Because uh, were we clear enough? Uh, are there changes that need to be made? You know, because there were a lot of people that had a lot of thoughts, pro and con, uh, you know, on it. So that would probably be a good program in itself because there's a lot of feeling out there, both, pro, like I said, pro and con. So that, yeah, got, you know, would be another. <laughs> got to find some folks who are prepared to talk about it. That's the interesting yeah. thing. You know, I, 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 part of my problem is that the code of conduct was designed for conventions and now is being applied to everything else in the world. And I, and I guess I have some concern over extending something that was that's fit for purpose for handling conventions, but may not be fit for purpose for handling other stuff. Yeah, and, and I think there's some discussion going on about that now, what, you know, changes need to be made and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So, And um, I think if the changes are made, I can deal with it. But at the moment, I'm, until they are, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with seeing it applied to all of the areas that it is because it doesn't have anything to do with email. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with calls, even though, uh, even though now for, for both calls and emails, um, it, it, it's, it's being held up as the gold standard that we need to apply. I don't think anybody is opposed to a code of conduct. I think that it needs to be clear how it's going to be enforced. And I think it's going to be important to, to ensure that it is enforced as well, because I think that's the other issue. Yeah. Well, uh, your email list guidelines are out there. And yes. so I didn't see the code of conduct as being necessary for it. For example, um, you know, you, you have your guidelines right. for email list. If you signed up for it, you got the guidelines. Correct. Uh, I saw them again today. So, uh, you know, I, I agree. I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I realize the need for them. I'm not overly excited about it. I think that there are some, some issues with it that definitely do need to be looked at. One of the things um, is the way that it's worded insofar as if you, it, it goes too much into policing, I think. Um, you know, if you, if you see something that happens or hear something that happens, you, you must report it. And that I don't think is right. Um, and that's, that to me is a, a little too much policing. Um, and I'm not, that I do think that there does need to be either in the expectations document or the code of conduct as far as uh, the Zoom, the community calls are concerned, but I'm not sure that it needs to have both of them in there. I think it, you know, if it's important for the convention, Paul, then if we're doing a convention and our meetings via Zoom, isn't that the same thing? Um, no, it, you know, it, it, it could be that it could be that you're correct, but I thought a lot of the conduct that it was seeking to control when it was originally introduced was conduct that was happening at, at in-person conventions. It was. I think, that, I think it was. I think it, I assume that it, it, I would assume that it was. Ironically, and, some of the people that I've seen uh, that when, when that was up, who were screaming the loudest about it are people who I've, you know, we've, we've all seen firsthand. Um, be in violation of it in the past. Uh -huh. uh, 
Miss Terry, any thoughts? Any, be careful. any thoughts from you as as to other Tuesday topics? Um, I, you know, I think that my idea about the resolutions could even be done on a Tuesday topics. Yeah, we can you know, certainly do it for two. Do it for two hours a week for four weeks. Yeah, we could certainly you know, do that. There's something like that. Folks, folks wanted to do really it that way. I really think resolutions is a is an issue. I think another issue that I've been tossing around a lot and trying to figure out what to do with is our communications. Um, there is nothing, there is very little that comes out from ACB that is in a good uh, format that's that's done electronically. Let me put it that way: mm-hmm. emails. Um, there's an awful lot of problems with it that everyone's talking about. We have to have a professional appearance, but if we're putting out stuff that's been cut and pasted with 16 different fonts in it and font sizes, Thank that's you. not a professional appearance. And I think we need to do something about that. I know maybe- David raised that. I have raised it on several occasions and will continue to do so. <laughs> I keep raising it to, I keep raising it to someone on the, on the PR committee there. Um, because there's just so much of it, and it's it's purely an issue that people could could remediate very easily. And that's still happening, huh? Yes, it is. That's too bad. Um, of course, uh, you know that's uh, that's one of the issues, um, and and we've talked about it this before. Maybe we need to talk about <laughs> it again. How do we ensure that we have good input from? all elements of ACB, whether whether we're talking about low vision folks where we're, we're distinctly underrepresented on the board uh, or um, or black folks or or women or LGBT, you know, at the moment um, that there are not a lot of several minorities on our board. And we probably if we're serious about inclusiveness we probably need to at least think about that as we're planning how we're going to vote this summer yeah and and i'm not just talking as far as you know is it the right font that type of thing um i'm just saying in making something look well presented yep i agree and 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 if 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 the stuff that we put out doesn't look good then what people are going to be likely to say, oh, it's, it's those blind people. They don't know any better. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You know, when you're going through a list, let's say a, a, a list like the community list, for instance, um, and all of a sudden, as you're reading down it, all of a sudden something comes out in 32-point print, oh, uh, 32-point font, and then the next thing is, isn't, and something's in blue and something else is in black. I, you know, and I don't mean to be picking on them in particular, but that's just a, a, a good example of something. It, that there's very, very simple ways of fixing that. David, Penny, Patrick, uh, and all of the the rest of you who have made this this show as good as it is, thank you very, very much. Uh, I very much appreciate all of your input and all of your uh, involvement in helping us explore what is a, a really important issue. And I would like to encourage folks 
to become members of Tuesday Topics next week. Still not sure what the topic will be, but we encourage all of you to join us next week for Tuesday Topics. And I'd like to thank all those who made this week's Tuesday Topics as exciting and good as it was. Thanks, everyone. Remember, democracy depends on every one of us, not just a few of us. Good night. See, I won't be coming home.